and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Um, we've brought you, we've brought you Sunez, we've brought you Evans, and we thought, well, why not? We've got nothing else to do, so we'll we'll bring you Julier and we'll see where it goes from there. So um, to discuss the very much up and down years of Gerard Julier, six years in fact, which you know it's it's hard to put your mind to six years. It's, it seems an awful long time for a football manager to be in charge of a club, especially in this day and age. But to discuss those six years, I've got uh, Dave Karen out in Brazil. Lockdown, hasn't left the house in four weeks. How's your sanity? Have you turned into Jack Nicholson from The Shining yet? Very close, Dave. Up and down. You know, you're talking about Hillier's time of being up and down. That's that, that's my days. These days, I'm very up and down. Yes, um, but when you see the twins, lock yourself in the meat locker. Yeah, no. I, I, there might be a meat cleaver in there to end it all up. Yes. <laughs> that's maybe not a good idea. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll we'll be sure to keep it. We'll be sure to keep an eye on you anyway. Keep, keep, keep me away from meat cleavers, whatever yes, you do. We'll do. Maybe keep you away from your wife as well. Um, <laughs> and also out in Berlin, Neil Patterson, Deepa, you do are you managing all right? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, hoping, uh, yeah, get into a bit of this and take my mind off uh, a touch of boredom. But yeah, it's it's all right. Like the weather's good, and we're at least getting out for walks and stuff. So. Not quite gone too mental yet, although starting to get into back catalogues of old detective shows, which is which is never really a good sign. Yeah, I'm not quite at that stage yet, um, but I, I, I watched think... Ferris Bueller's Day Off yesterday. That's how bad I am. <laughs> I've reached that's the depths. I've re- reached 1986 in my wow. back catalog. That's an awesome film. That's why. Well, yeah. anything to anything to raise anything to raise the spirits. Um, well, we all have plenty of days off now, that's for sure. All right, so, um, Gerard Houllier. Uh, Gerard Houllier came in in curious circumstances um, at the start of the 1988-1989 the season. Um, we touched on the strange kind of dual relationship management with, with Roy Evans in, in the Evans pod. So, you know, Dave, it, it was um, quite a courting of, of Houllier and, and at the time, certainly the board and, and people close to the club felt it was quite a, a coup to get him. Uh, indeed. He had been, I think he'd been sort of pivotal in, in the French Football Federation's World Cup in 1998, where they won it and whatnot. And he came very, very highly recommended. Now, Dave, you got to remember at that time, really no internet the way we know it today. So as a fan, we're sort of sitting going, who the fuck's this guy sort of thing? Um, but it was a relationship that was forged over 30 years with with Peter Robinson, who was the vice chairman of Liverpool at the time. And, uh, you know, it's widely known that Julia used to stand in the cop as a student and whatnot. He, he, he then was invited to go to Melwood by Robinson or to basically study the Shankly methods and whatnot. And, and he, he's very much a football philosopher. But that, that, those stories sort of came out later on. We didn't know at the time. And, you know, as I said to you pre-pod, you know, after refreshing my memory, I was very much on the, the John Toshak um, train at that stage. You know, for, for me, it was like uh, continuity again. But this was a real break from the boot room. It was a real break from the tradition and as much as it was our first foreign manager as well, um, certainly overseas, outside sort of the, the British Isles sort of thing. Um, and at the time... I, th- I think that 
uh, Robinson had a had a job actually selling it to the rest of them, but he managed to do that. Um, I think Julier was was earmarked as a potential Celtic manager, and when when Liverpool became aware of that, they brought him in. Now, obviously, the circumstances that they arrived in and, and the dual management, we, we we know that doesn't work out. Um, but you know, eventually, he takes over on his own. And like I admit, from my own point of view, it took me a little while to. To, to warm to not not that there's anything wrong with him it was just this this was a very very different uh feel to it you know as says the first foreign manager it still wasn't that common back then um you know when we when we, th- when we to say that today it's like oh my god what's he talking about but it really was that uncommon but he certainly came with a pedigree he certainly came um you know once we we got to know the man and we got to, to, to know the measure of the man he certainly came with an affection for the club. He certainly came with an understanding um, of the club. As I say, he stood uh, in the 60s on the cop. So he 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 sort of absorbed that, that atmosphere. And uh, basically, he arrived knowing the ethos of the club. And I think at the time as well, the board were very much, you know, it had been a long time since we'd been, you know, real, real challengers in the league. And they thought that this was going to be the moment to, to, to put us back to where we belonged. Um, now, I'm not saying that we'd fallen that far. You know, the money hadn't taken over just as much at that stage. And we were still, you know, we were still competing in the transfer market. We were still competing at the highest levels. But we were just that, you know, it, it's a bit like Evans. And we covered it the last time, Dave. We were just still that bit short. And they thought that this was the final piece of the puzzle, given the fact, um, you know, his knowledge of, of the European market, very Wenger-esque, which I know we'll, we'll touch on um as the pod goes on, but I think that that's they they saw this as a freshening uh, of the way bringing in Phil Thompson, um, you know another Liverpool legend who like, who doesn't love Phil Thompson? Come on, um, it, it to me that at the time that was that's that's yeah okay so Phil Thompson's going in with them, everything seems to be fine and that's you know basically that was that's my recollections of the appointment. Yeah, and um, it was all chief. It was all very exciting at the time. It was kind of following in the in the Arsenal model of of hiring a, um, you know, France had France had just won they just won the World Cup. That was um, you know, something that that Houllier was was very much involved in. Um, and this through a pane of glass certainly um, looked to be an exciting progressive managerial appointment albeit in odd circumstances yeah well i think when we did the roy evans pod recently we uh, we touched on those circumstances and how it was a, a strange situation to begin the season with uh, joint managers uh they both had responsibility for first team matters um both were supposedly you know uh equally uh, in charge but obviously Roy leaves in November not been happy with the situation why would you be you've had somebody moved in to take away 50% of your responsibility basically you've been uh, sacked by the, by the back door um, so yeah I mean Hulier takes over and um, for me I, I didn't really know much about him at all at the time um, I do remember thinking that you know the this just seemed to be the time to go for um, a quote-unquote foreign coach because I didn't really know where we would go. 
um, just within the, within the parameters of, of British coaches at that time. Um, we'd sort of gone back to the boot room. Well, we, we'd, we'd done the player manager thing with Kenny and that had been great, but obviously circumstances uh, didn't work out and, and, and he left in the end. Then we'd gone back to an ex-player, you know, with, with and an up-and-coming young manager, and that had gone disastrously. And then we'd gone sort of back to the boot room, and that had gone well for a while, but in the end, it left people frustrated and 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 seeking a change. And you know, I think it was just the right time, as you say. Foreign managers were uh, were not um, that common in the Premier League at the time, but had started to become more so, and. It was a sign of the times, really. Um, the fact that he had done all that work, at, whereas at Clairefontaine, their, their academy is, is, the French um, National Academy is, and, and sort yeah. of put that team together and, you know, being involved with the likes of, of uh, obviously, Anelka and, and Henri, but also the likes of um, um, Louis Saha and... Um, and Zidane, of course, and, and and all those those top players and the younger ones coming through. So not not yeah, your Henri's and your Perez and your he's in the you know he, he was sold us guys basically. You know I I remember he was sold as a football philosopher. He had you know that that, that was that was very much how, how he was introduced to us. And it was supposed to be him, supposed to be very much that was so that who had put in the ethos of how they played and and so on. Now I don't. Having then gone through six years of, of Gerard Houdier's management, whether that was 100% true or not, I'm not I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but he was certainly very, very involved with those players. And, and the idea that he had something to do with them, which is all I knew really at that time, was, was quite exciting. Um, but I didn't really know. Neil, Neil, I, think, I think it's worth reiterating what I said earlier on, that the internet was still sort of infancy. We didn't have the, yeah. the information at the touch of a button. To, to, to know about these guys and what they did and what they'd done previously, you know, you, you had to really go digging and buying magazines and things like that if you really wanted to get underneath these things. I was at uni at the time, uh, 1998. I just started uni, 19, uh, September 98. And the number one way of getting all your information was still via the papers or teletext or whatever. Like, you weren't looking on the internet. You didn't have news now and all the, all the you know, the, the internet was very much used for booking flights in those days, you know, not much else. Um, certainly amongst lay people, you know, perhaps people who were more into... I mean, even that was in its infancy when you consider what it is today. Well, not today, but, you know, the old world. Yeah. Anyway, that information just wasn't there. So I, that's why I said, didn't really know much about Julier. Um, so it was just exciting. It was, just, it was exciting. I felt that you know, there was a, a level of glamour to it, perhaps, but also that it was the right thing to be doing. It was the right move at the right time, and we'd exhausted probably all our all our palatable op- options within the the British set of managers. And and why not? This seemed like a, a progressive move. I think we were all ready as well to move to the next step. Yeah, and it was potentially a reaction, and certainly saw like the logical step based on the the image that the the team and the club had with their. There's Spice Boys tag, and we, and we discussed the, you know, the the accuracy and and the sensationalism behind that. But at the same time, there was, you know, there's there's rumours of of Neil Ruddock and Robbie Fowler running out the train and under Evans, you know, finishing the bacon sandwich from breakfast and stuff like that. And 
and that was the the type of thing that that Julio was brought in to do. He, he was he was brought in to to take us to take us to the future, to take us into the you know the new the new generation um, of football. Um, and with all of that in mind, it was a strange first season. Um, we finished seventh, um, but what he does is he, he starts to build and. And Julio is very active in the transfer market throughout his throughout his tenure at Liverpool. Um, and Dave, you know, the, the first thing he does pretty much is as soon as as soon as Evans goes, is uh, in January he gets rid of Jason McAteer. He brings in a Frenchman, Jean Michel Ferry, and um, he brings in Rigobert Song. And although not the players that would go on to achieve things with Liverpool really that kind of signaled the start of pretty much an upheaval of the squad and and the playing staff um probably as much to adopt his style and his philosophy of play than anything else no I'd agree with you on that and and defense is where it had the start and I think he had the sort of you know, you, you mentioned the two he brought in, Ferry and Song, and you know that was that was Plan A, and and it was quickly binned as well because uh, Sammy Hippia came in shortly after that. Um, I think in the following summer, you know, I, I think that was like a band-aid over things those two signings. But certainly at that time, my recollection would be that we had an abundance of riches, um, certainly in, in the forward line, um, you know. Uh, yeah, first game I think in charge was the 11th of November I was actually at Anfield for it was my eldest son's first home game was the game against Sheffield Wednesday uh, where Jared made his debut he had just burst onto the scene as well and you know he came off the bench that, that day as a kid like was pinging balls everywhere you were like wow um, you know so the defence really was where you know he, he needed to work and we also don't forget had David James, who we, we covered in the last pod, wasn't particularly good. Um, you know, so so he needed to start whatever philosophy he had. Um, it was very much like the Rafa time. He needed to start and, and, and build his defense and his defensive philosophy. Um, because if he could if he could solidify up the back, certainly we had enough firepower going forward to, to really mount a challenge. And that, that's the way I saw it. And it was the goalkeeper and, and, and the back four that, that needed the tweaking. Um, you know, obviously there was, there was more players come in. We'll, we'll cover that as we go along. But, you know, it, it took him a while, Dave. It, 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 Song and, and Ferry were not ultimately the answer uh, to, 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 the, uh, to the equation. Um, you know, I'm not saying not, not going to slate them in any way, but they certainly did not end up being the caliber of player that we needed at that time. Um, and, you know, again, took a little bit of time to settle in and so on. But it was... <sighs> You know, at that time, Rigobert's song, Cameroonian, I believe. And that was like, whoa, we've got a Cameroonian player. You know, that was that was really the first sort of the African players that started to come through and so on, um, which was very much, you know, still considered the developing world. You know, when, today with uh, Mane and with Salah, you know, uh, from the African uh, conference. And, you know, back then it was really weird to think of, of, of a player like Rigobert's song coming, coming to Liverpool um, you know, again, the the foreign players were really only starting to, to to creep into the game. They had there was still the core of of the British game in there, and and I think 
this is this was the start of what we began to see with Julia that that you know he veered away from from buying British, if you will, and, and started to look at the international market. And, and I think as fans, we sort of went, hmm, okay, that this is going to be different. Yeah, um, you know, as I say, teams were starting to do it. Um, we were we were starting to, to see Chelsea um, dip into the market with Alexis Viali and Hullet and, you know, I think Di Matteo at the time and, and appoint both those as, as manager. And obviously... Arsenal with Wenger and they, they brought Burkamp over prior to Wenger's arrival and and then obviously the likes of Henri and Perez and Lunenberg who will certainly come on to talk about but Chief you know it, it's, a, it's a fairly underwhelming first season but it, it really is the start of something um, that will you know at a point become something very very special and and the next summer you know we'll, we'll move kind of straight to there because it's fairly underwhelming it's a seventh place finish it's a fourth round FA Cup exit the United after two late goals, two last minute goals at Old Trafford. Um, and they were the treble. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and a fourth place exit the Spurs in the League Cup. Um, we go out of the the Cup, uh, the UEFA Cup, sorry, um, fairly tamely to Celta Vigo, 4-1 four, four over two legs and, and yeah. we lose at Anfield. And, you know, everybody's kind of looking to the next season fairly early on. And as Julier does and did, um, started to restructure the, the squad quite drastically. And, you know, we saw we saw Rob Jones, to my dismay, leave on a free transfer, injury stricken. Um, David James was shipped off to Villa. McManaman left to Real Madrid on a free to everybody's dismay at the Scott. time. Oh, I remember he being could. absolutely devastated at the news. It was awful. Well, um, with, the the thing about it is that I mean that that all comes off the back of what is ultimately. Uh, I know we sort of glossed over it there, but it's a very very disappointing season. Um, it starts off badly and and it kind of gets worse. Um, and we rescue it sort of in the end because at one point I think we're fourteenth around about Christmas time. So I mean, it, it it really goes quite badly wrong, and 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 you know you mentioned those early signings there, Rigobert Song and and John Michel Ferry. Well, unfortunately for 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 Gerard for this time, they they mark what becomes a trend, which is which is a very which is a although there are some some excellent signings in there overall, it's a fairly poor return, I would say, on signings over the tenure. Um, and this is this is the first two of those. Neither neither player goes on to cover themselves in glory for the club. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, Steve McManaman leaving at the end of the season on the free. Will Real Madrid come in? But it's clear in January that um, he's not going to be signing a contract extension. It's clear that he he doesn't really like the way that the club, the direction that the club is going, and that he feels his time there has come to an end. And and with Real Madrid on the table, he's he's happy to go on the Bosman, and it is a scandal because he in today's money he would have been worth, God knows, a hundred million. Minimum a hundred million, Neil. I would I would go, and and I think as well at that time, you know, it was the early days of Bosman. I think it was really the first time that Bosman really kicked us hard in the arse at that time. First time that it struck us badly. Um, <laughs> um, 
yeah. yeah, and McManaman's 27 at the time. I think he's he's absolutely absolutely in his peak. Um, and and he's, he's, he's one really, of the best players in the league. Yeah, and he's really the thing is he's we gave him the time, of course, to mature and get better and better, and he's really at the peak of his powers, and it's, and he goes on to have a very good career with with Real Madrid as well. A great career, you know. Ultimately, it really hurts his legacy at Liverpool. It really and and still to this day, really hurt. You know, I know he's a pundit and everything now, but you don't. He doesn't get the love that that, 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 his, that his talent should have warranted for him. Yeah, I think ultimately because of what we talked about, touched on at the end of the last part with Roy Evans and, and that how it ended up in the Spice Boys and how it had promised so much and delivered so little and and how he doesn't get the send off and that team just gets broken up pretty unceremoniously. I think there's a lot of regrets over that time, probably with different people, different players, different managers going on there, and it it, it was just a bit of a messy divorce. A bit of a messy transition, um, in that sense, and, and probably McManaman wanted wanted to to move on. Obviously, McAteer had gone, uh, Harkness goes. A lot of that team just gets broken up. Um, but yeah, it is off the back of a poor season, but luck and and, and a, a few uh, early kind of uh, miss miss moves, if that's uh, or wrong moves in the transfer market, um, but. You know, he, he does, as, as Dave was coming on to there, begin to lay the foundations by uh, by making some, some sounder signings in defence as, as we move on. Yeah, the also comes in this season. Yeah, it's a, re- it's a real clear out that summer. Um, you know, Ince goes, Sean Dundee goes, Leon Arson goes, Kvarma goes, Christ and Knight, um, um, and, and Riedler goes. And it, it's it's a lot of dead wood. If we be honest, and this is where where Hulier, you know, he, early on he, he kind of does Ernest Crust, and you see more hits than misses with, with the players that he brings in. Um, I agree with those players, as you've mentioned there, that he, he gets rid of because they all needed to go. Yeah, absolutely. And, they and, and does need- that may, does that maybe mask it, Dave? That you, no, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, you know what I mean because you 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 classed what he got rid of as dead wood, and and. What I'm maybe questioning is just how much of an upgrade the new players were. Yes, they were an upgrade, but maybe they weren't exactly well, what we needed. I think we'll come on to the fact that if, if you look at 2001, when they do win the treble, this this is the start of a process where Julier builds probably arguably the best squad in Europe at the time. And that's kind of the the for me the big regret of this year that they should have gone on to to achieve more but he does start to assemble a, a proper squad that can deal with a ridiculous number of games that year um and you know at the he brings in Traore we all know the legend of Traore but along with Jimmy you know Hubia comes in um 10 years at the club a legend Smeter comes in we know the part that he plays um on show comes in to cement that partnership with Hupia. He replaces the goalkeeper Vesterveld, who early on was was good. Um, and also Didi Haman to add properly an issue that we talked about. Um, continu- it, was, it was a continuous theme throughout the Evans era was a proper holding midfielder who can dictate play and, and read danger and protect the back four properly and and brought him on in for for 
quite a bit of money, eight million pounds, and um, that healed the start of that new squad ethos and a proper upgrade in, in the playing staff that we had. And you know, we start the season we start the season pretty well, and it doesn't quite work for us. But I think again. Dave, we're, we're kind of all at the, we're kind of all now kind of whether we like it or not, we're kind of bought into the fact that this is now a transition and with the number of new players signed, there's a certain amount of grace given there and you can see green shoots at this point. You know, without a doubt, you can. And I always remember at that time sort of thinking, and it, it was more to do with, you, you know, the fact that Michael Owen's star was was really, really rising at that time. You know, when when you when you had a some of that pace and that finish. Your your team's always going to have a chance, and it's about putting the right pieces in and around them. And and at that time, you know, we're we're, we're still talking about there was still that group of players in in the round that you felt, hey, hang on, you've got a young Gerard emerging. Um, you know, you always felt that we did have a chance. Uh, yes, I think we 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 were happy to give time. We were happy to say, although transition was maybe a new word at that stage for us. You know what I mean? We talk, we, we throw transition about today. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's so normal transition back then was, was something that we maybe didn't talk about just as much. Um, and we realized that, you know, this could take a season maybe to bed in, but as you say, at that stage, there was more hits than there were misses. And you you know you sort of looked at it and and Hoppy and Honcho I was never that much of a, of a Stefan Honcho fan to be honest with you I, I love Sammy Hoppy um, he was me neither to be fair I can I can empathise with you there you know you know what I mean he's not a player that would we have many discussions uh, pre pod and after pod and and he's a player that never really comes up as Honcho um, I, I, it's it's almost like you know in in today's world you had Sammy Hoppy and I think Sammy Hoppy made. Stefan Onshow a better player, a bit like you know you can say about uh, Virgil Van Dijk whenever Lovren's there, you know can can make Lovren a better player given his confidence and how good he is. Um, but you know like when you consider the money that he bought Sammy Hubia for and the player that he turned out to be for us and the longevity of the player that we had, like really and truly you can forgive an awful lot of maybe some, some of the italics and some of his, uh, Pong goals and uh, Bruno Charu's. Um but, you know, at, at that stage, even when we were signing the players like that, you were like, OK, you know, he, he's shown us he, he has an eye for a player. Everybody can get it wrong and so on. Um, but, you know, in the league, I think this season, Dave, I still didn't think what we were really, you know, you were really looking to challenge the United Arsenal dominance. You know what I mean? It, it didn't look like we were ready to, to, to break it into it. You know, um, you know, you were, you were looking at fourth. And and fourth seemed to become it was around this time I think anyhow that fourth started to become the norm for us, uh, you know a bit like the way you talk about Arsenal um, for for the last lot of years you know they were just happy with their fourth and get into the Champions. I feel there was a stage and this was the stage that started that fourth became became kind of okay for us. Well, the issue here is that during the nineties, most of the nineties anyway, during the Evans era, Arsenal weren't really a force. So you had Blackburn popping up that season. You had Newcastle for a couple of seasons, and of course you had the you had Leeds at the beginning of it. And you had Manchester United. You had Norwich in there as well. Oh, way through, <laughs> yeah. But you, you didn't re- you didn't have a consistent other team that was going to battle you for that title. So Liverpool finished second. They finished third, often enough. Um, 
And the final, I think Evans's final season, we drop away and finish fourth because of a, a defeat on the final day, I think, against Bradford. I think that's right. Um, and we really blow that because that fucks everything up because that loses Evans's job. Basically, he would have been Champions League and we end up in the UEFA Cup instead. And Does Collymore score an overhead <coughs> kick that day? Yep. They beat us 1-0. Collymore overhead kick. I'm sure it's that. I'm sure. I'm sure it is that. It man. could. It could well be. It could well be. Um, but, but. But sorry. Yes. Go on. So that's like. So that's that's so that's a massive shift. But um, I know you you um, you're right. Like in terms of the in terms of the signings and 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 what happens like this that summer, the Hamans, the Hippia. Um, that whole raft of players that come in, I mean, it is much more hit than miss. Even Tilly Camera, who comes in that summer, is a, a cult hero. Yeah, and he has a decent season. He scores a, a few. He scores some good goals. Smita comes in for me, a player who plays a lot of games for us, but never really does much until his last game in the Champions League final, and then he then he buries one. Um. Haman was an, absolute, was an absolute linchpin of that team and was a, was a fantastic signing. And the funny thing about him almost going to Bolton, he'd, he'd actually signed for them, hadn't he? He'd signed for Bolton. And this, the, I don't know how true it is, but the story, the anecdote was that he went to McDonald's and um, he tried to order his food, like, and he couldn't understand the guy behind the counter and they couldn't understand him. And he was like, fuck this. And ended up signing for Liverpool, going to Liverpool instead. Um, but it was it was touch and go whether we would get him, and it was sort of out of nowhere. But he he becomes him and Hippia, and in the beginning Vestervelt, they become very very important in that spine. Yeah, and what you also have there, Tief, is you've got you know the the Owen Stars as bright as it probably will ever be at this point. Over the over the next you know this year and maybe the following two years, um, you've an emerging Gerard, you've Danny Murphy and and you've Jamie Carragher and and they bring you know an element of relatability to the squad, but they're quality players and that's the at the time certainly what people talked about was the the local influence on a squad where a team keeps its identity and those certainly those four almost carried this team's identity between them um, and you looked at the fact that that was a core along with as you said Hubia, Haman Vesterveld and you would argue Honcho and this was starting to become at this point now, the makings of something where you could see there was a massive amount of potential to be squeezed out of this team and what Julier was starting to bring together. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny one because Liverpool had managed to shoot themselves in the foot slightly again at this point because because of not acting decisively when, when they wanted to make the move to Julier because they threw in that, that joint management <laughs> stuff. Because of the 
messing around with, with Roy Evans and, and Jared Houdet at the beginning, instead of going in from a position of being fourth in the league, like they, like they were in um, at the end of, of, of the 97 season, they're going in in a position, or sorry, where they were at the end of the 97-98 season. They're, 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 they have that season where they finish seventh, so they're, they're playing for their catch-up. So he puts in a... He, Brings in a lot of good signings that we've just mentioned, and he, he does, Dave, as you say, he's starting to build something, he's starting to build a core, but he's building it from seventh instead of from fourth, so that gap is even bigger. So this season, I think we go on and we, you can start to see the makings of something here, but I think we only finished fourth, don't we? So it's uh, it's a long way back, is what I'm saying. So he's, he's ma- he makes the jump from, so we get the drop to seventh from fourth and he makes that gap up again within the one season so he gets those signings right but then then he's got to go again and, and that's what we see the next you know the next year yeah and again it's it's and this staggers me it's a, another poor cup run it's fourth round the FA Cup third round the League Cup um, and there's literally more cup defeats than cup wins at this point after Julio's second season and you know, I don't really mean to, to brush over it, but there's not really loads to talk about. Um, they're fairly underwhelming. There's not a lot of highs. Um, there's patience there, given the connection that he has with the club, the fact that he's done the right things, the likes of bringing Thompson's in. But there's also the underlying, an underlying current of, is the football really what we want it's not what it was under Evans there's kind of this strange relationship that's very obvious to everyone including fans that he has with Fowler um, that doesn't sit well with with some people um, and Dave at this point it's it's still not really you know massively comfortable and then he signs Heskey um, in the March um, for a big, big fee, eleven million pounds, and you know he's had a good season up to that point, and he uh, and and he's he looks exciting and powerful and strong, but some people are also looking at that, thinking, is that another nail in, in Fowler's coffin, and and what direction is the team going? And it's it's a it's a weird time. Look, the injury had really, really affected um, Fowler by that stage, and it, but. It was sort of exacerbated, as you rightly point out, by a strange relationship. Um, it, I don't know. There, there was a time I, I maybe felt that, you know, given all that Fowler had done, and and, and like, who doesn't love Robbie Fowler? Give, give me a give me a Liverpool fan who doesn't love Robbie Fowler, you know? And and I can only imagine it in the world today if if we had Twitter and such, <laughs> how it would have been at that time. Uh, Fowler's treatment. You know, Julia got got away lightly with not having the likes of social media, um, because you know, like Robbie Fowler to this day is, is is God, and and he's called God for a reason. But but it was very fractured. But Dave, I'm not so sure that Robbie Fowler in that in that state after after the injuries and everything, what what was really the answer? Um, you you know, he wasn't the player that 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 we adored. Uh, and was never going to be again, and, and, and history proved it um, that, that that was the way of it. And and maybe at the time we were a little bit harsh on on, on Julia for that, but you know, 
you never felt at that time, you know, look, United were where we are today at that time, you know, head and shoulders above. And you never felt that we had, you know, closed the gap enough that we could really, really, really take them on. And and there was always something missing. And and it's and, and even after Julia, it, it, it's something that uh, it, it's been there really for too many years throughout the club. Is that there's always that there was always that missing ingredient. Um, and it's only really in the last couple of seasons that all of it has really gone away and 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 everything the, the circles whole again. Um, that you know there's no weak links in it and and everything's strong. Um, whether it be you you know buying the wrong players, players getting injured and not being to the standard and playing to the standard that we, that, that that we know them as, um, you know it, it's it's just the way football works, and, and it's the hand you're dealt, and sometimes you've you, you've no control over it, um, and you just have to play it as it was. But you know honestly, the signs weren't that bad at that time. The, the you know we realised we weren't going to win the league. Um, and, and as I say, that sadly became the norm. And it's what it's throughout this period of, of Liverpool history. This is the thing you never felt like you're going to go in and, and, and win the league. And, and, you know, like I grew up with the 70s and the 80s where you knew Liverpool were going to win the league or they're going to be there or thereabouts. And this was the period where it was just to me, it almost feels like you're always all at sea. Um, you, you know, and, and I, I said the, the last time I spoke there as well about, you know, fourth becoming the norm and fourth becoming acceptable. We're getting Champions League and Champions League was starting to become something and the money was starting to get good in it. And, you know, as long as you were qualifying for that and with our with our pedigree, the, the amount of time that we'd been out of Europe and, and, and even whenever the clubs were allowed back in, we had another season to, 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 to be banned from the European. And then we couldn't qualify for it. We got back into it. And. At that time, with not knowing, or you know, being pretty secure that we're 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 still a distance away from United, it, the Champions League gave us something that historically is important to us to to compete in as well, and in, in European competitions. Albeit this season, we 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 weren't entering into that, but we still had a European competition, which is very very important in in the folklore of this club and and whatnot. So again, looking back on it, you know, you, you accept where you were, but you you know. You, we were back in Europe and we were moving in the right direction and you felt, you know, just like we in, in, in seasons past, there was a few missing ingredients. Ultimately, we never got them. But, you know, using today's squad as, a, as an example, um, this was a squad that was capable of maybe if there was a, a type of a Van Dyke or an Allison signing brought in, in, into that squad, we might have been right up there. A, a real world-class operator uh, brought into that squad. We could have been right, right in the mix there. And maybe even maybe even go as far as saying if McManaman had have stayed, you know, and I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but if McManaman had have stayed, another world class player there might have been a different story. Maybe maybe so maybe so. And Chief, you know, we we moved uh, we moved into the season, and it, this is this is the pinnacle of of Hulier's tenure. Um, it, it's the treble season, and again. The squad is refreshed, let's say. Um, you know, Bjornaby, Bob, David Thompson, Mario Go, um, Friedel Song, Staunton, Mayer, Camera, they all go later on in the year. But what he does is he brings in 
Marcus Babel, he brings in hilariously Nick Barnby from Everton, which caused all kinds of fucking rancor. <laughs> oh my goodness, it was absolutely hilarious. Do you remember? Yeah. Oh, it was well, so I mean, funny. Do you, know, do you know something? I have erased that from my memory. It was so funny. They absolutely completely lost their shit. Um, it, it, but, but but there was something else that he brought in that season that that we didn't see coming, Dave. And I knew you're going well, to. Well, yeah, 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 you know, and, yeah. and he brought something to the party that that was really special. Yeah, he he brings in Ziga and and he brings in he brings in Gary McAllister, um, and people looked at the signing. It was a free transfer from Coventry at the time. I think McAllister was what 34, 35. Am I right in saying? Yeah, um, thirty-four. I think thirty-four. Um, but he'd done it all. It. To be fair, he'd done it all, Dave. He had. He'd won the league with Leeds United. He, he played. He played in the Champions League. Um, he was a full international. Everybody, everybody knew about about the quality of Gary McCallister. He was a quality player, and you know the midfield in in Hard Wilkinson's title winning side with with Strachan, um was formidable, and. People looked at it and they and they looked at a raw Stephen Gerrard and and they thought this makes sense, you know, bring in bring in the old wise head who can, you know, these he, and he he was always known as having a cool head, McAllister, you know, bring this guy in and he'll be able to, you know, coach him and and train him and 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 guide him along and give him the give him the right advice and it, it all made sense. But but chief, little did we know the impact that. That he would actually have on the pitch this season. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a mad one, really. And it, looking back on it, if you look at the signs that was brought in, and, and you look at what we did the following season, you could all, you could almost make a case for saying, you know, flippantly, Gary Max saved Jared Hoodie. Um because it's it is one of those masterstroke kind of signings that just works on on all levels. Um, not only does he bring his wealth of experience and and um, kind of dressing room nice and, and personality to everything, he he's also you know he's talking. Um, it brings a second wind to his career. I think well, is what you're getting at. Not it's not really even a second wind. It's 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 a it's a swan song, if you will. Like it's it's one final season of 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 brilliance, but it's everything he's bringing that. Off the pitch, he's bringing it on the pitch. He's able to talk Gerard through the season, which 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 enhances his game. Gerard credits McAllister with, you know, he says he learns learns loads of him. Um, it just so worked. much so that so much so that don't forget he's he is his number two at Rangers now. So there you go. I mean that cements a, a, probably a lifelong relationship. Um, the fact of the matter is that. that Gary McAllister is, is 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 what holds that team together, and without McAllister in that team, you doubt very much whether we'd have won any of the any of the cups. Neil, would, would well, the two you say would, would, it, would the two you say that that was Julier's best signing? It's what it's it's one of Liverpool's greatest ever signings. But I'm talking about Julier with the, the pod we're up. You might say that you might say it, but but he, he, I suppose he only works. Because of everything else, it's all it's a mixture of all the ingredients. But he's he's the special one in that in that particular side. And let's be honest, it's only one season. So when you look at it, like yeah, 
maybe for that one season. He's maybe the most effective signing. But it's it's, it's all about moments, Neil, and he his moments of that his season. The, you know, the stuff. I think I think the thing is with and Origi's not a bad comparison. A lot of the time it is with moments with players that kind of transcend anything else and Baggio's the best example, you know, for for that goal he scored in Italia ninety and Baggio didn't win loads and he didn't have the most decorated career or statistically the, the best numbers or anything like that. But with that ponytail and, and that moment that kind of transcended football and McAllister with the sheer volume of moments that he had throughout that season, um, key times, key goals, the most high pressure situations, he continued to deliver. You know, anybody can do it once. Good players can do it twice. The great, the greats can do it three or four times in a run-in like that. But he continued to do things that should not really have been possible, given the situation, given the standard he was playing at, and given the age that he was. Yeah, it just worked for him though. It was he was a bit of a, he was a bit of a kind of a sharing him in in that way in that season where you know he he was a bit slower than he had been although he never really relied on pace but it was all about it was all about his vision and his understanding of the game and getting on the ball in the right positions and and using the players around him and linking everything plus of course his set pieces which were you know obviously the goal against Everton obviously the penalties he takes as well but you know, it's just that, just that little bit of of class, that just that little bit of he was a, a, sort of a proper playmaker in that team that season, in a way. And you know, it just worked for him. It probably is Rudy's most important signing because I, I, I don't. Without that season, we wouldn't talk about Jared Houllier in in the still glowing terms that most people generally do. He, I think he he gets it. Because of this season, he certainly gets a much, much kinder treatment than he would do if we hadn't got this. If we hadn't got these three cups, um, and McAllister is 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 pivotal, pivotal to the success this season. And I think it's worth saying as well, Neil. Like you know, he he was used quite. You know, given his age, Julier seemed to seemed to pick the games that he played in absolutely spot on. You know what I mean? There was times that McAllister didn't play. There was times he came off the bench. But every time that Houllier used him, it seemed to be just the right game, just the right minute, just the right minute for a substitution. Um, you know, you, you, you know, both of us cited there. You know, he was like a glue that held the team together. And if we look, Roby throw McAllister into it. You, you know what I mean? And and he he, he his experience just carries through. But I think that I think a part of this that you haven't mentioned is. I think Gary McAllister was having the time of his life uh, playing for us in that season. Um, you know, it was, he'd never played for any of, you know, Leeds United are a big club, don't get me wrong. And, and, and uh, historically they are, but they're not the Liverpool of this world, you know what I mean? And he was getting to finish his career at, at this big club and, and he was, you know, he had this pretty influential role uh, uh, leadership on the pitch and leadership off the pitch. And I think that the guy just, and, and given his, his 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 affinity to us since that, and the affinity that the fans have towards him, I think the guy just had the time of his life that season. 
yeah, I think he, he absolutely reveled in it. Um, I think you're right. It was it was a chance that he, he probably never thought he would get in his career, and he got it, and he he took it, you know, with with both hands. And it was just one of those things that that just worked. And what you say about Julio there picking him at the right times and stuff, I'm sure McAllister had a lot of a lot of uh, say in that as well. I'm sure they they discussed between them when they, when he would be most effective and, and, and where he should feature and, and so on. Um, but, yeah, it, it was it was fabulous. I mean, I remember watching that uh, that derby game. My, my cousin's a blue, and he's also my, my best mate. So I remember watching that game with him years ago, like just in my, it's in my parents' house, like, and, and getting that free kick, like, and it's three and a half minutes or four and a half minutes in the injury time. So it's already 30 seconds over what should be being played. And they go, they're going spare. Fucking blow up, ref. <laughs> McAllister. Just just one of those delightful curler into the corner. It almost slow motion. You know the second he hits it going in. And it's uh you know, it's three two and that's that's away at Goodison, I'm pretty sure. And it's um obviously we were talking last week during the Roy Evans era, we haven't had a particularly good run against Goodis uh, against uh, Everton and I'm pretty sure we um we lose the Derby the season before as well. So, um, so yeah, it's been a while, I think, since we've gotten one over Everton at that point, and it's a, it's a, it's a big release. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, see, if we, this, this season, as well as the travel, you know, we'll come on to talk about the, the trophies in the final sh- in a minute, but it's laced with brilliant moments, just like that moment. You know, um, you also have, you know, we, we batter Everton for the Derby at Anfield, and, and Barnby scores this brilliant header at the back post just to absolutely rub salt into the wound um you know there's the the murphy one of the murphy goals at old at old trafford to beat united away there that that hasn't happened before and um obviously McAllister popping up with with goals against barca and coventry bradford it's it's just one of those seasons where in the key moments, everything seemed to go our way. Yeah, well, I mean, it's 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 an interesting season, really, because we just get on a roll. We just we get on a roll because the first half of the season is is not good. I mean, in the league, we we start off with a win against against Bradford, um, then we go to uh, Highbury and lose. And um, it's a mixed bag, really, to be honest. But first, first half of the season isn't great. There are defeats there away at Middlesbrough, home against Ipswich, away at Newcastle, who are no great shakes by the stage, away at Spurs, who are still Spurs, um, away at Leeds, away at Chelsea, and away at Arsenal, all in the first half of the season, all by the 20th of December. But then we just hit our stride. Do, 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 do you think? Do you think the fact that that you know those results, as you've highlighted there, do you think that was a case of right the league's gone? You know, we'll win a cup maybe. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that, that, that they targeted a treble, but then you win the league cup and you start on a roll from that. And, well, and you know the fact that your league, the fact that your league's gone, then you can start the the the, the roll forward in the cups. Potentially, yeah, because you know by the time of that last defeat against Middlesbrough on the on the 20th, 26th of December. 
we're already we, we would already be in the in the League Cup semis by that stage, um, and you'd know you're in the League Cup semis. So so potentially, but I just think we start off pretty indifferently. I think we start off much the same as as the year before, but somewhere somehow along the line we we click into gear because from the first of January we only lose two games in the league, and you know we go on to win all the cups. So it's just an absolute purple patch of 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 a six months, where we we literally lose two games in six months. But then you know you, what you've rightly cited as well there, Neil, is there was a hell of a turnaround in personnel, and maybe those six months were needed just to get them all in sync. And that's it, and they all bet it. And this season and the season after, but I think particularly this season, it's it's like the culmination of or it's like the combination almost of, 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 of both teams. You've got Julio. Yeah. Julio's put his stamp on things with his signings and he's been there a couple of seasons already. Um but you've still got Robbie Fowler there. You know, you've still you've got Jared coming through as well. Um you've still got one or two left over from, from the Roy Evans. You've Owen, you've Berger, you've um I think you've still Redknapp there for a while. Yeah, Redknapp's still there as well. He doesn't influence things a lot. Um, obviously, you've, you've Gerard coming through, you've Carragher coming through, and you're right. There, there are still, and, and Murphy's obviously. I think from from the Evans era as well. Although you know, certainly, it's very very latter stages. But it it was strange, and there's there's a point that I wanted to touch on here where that this team. I think it's you've you've hit on something really significant, Chief. Where there's there's kind of this is the perfect balance between what we see at the best of Evans, really fluid, attacking, irresistible Liverpool who can slice through teams at will, and the more pragmatic sort of Hulier style that is really quite attritional that we see, you know, certainly in the in the last two seasons and. It's almost like that absolute sweet spot. And the one thing that you noticed about Houdier's side is that Evans' side was full of width, was full of having McManaman float um, certainly wide, having Collymore float out wide and, and having the, the wing backs, which really, really did hug the touchline and, and get to the byline. And then all of a sudden you had Houdier's very, very narrow four four two formation. The fullbacks didn't really go forward. You know, Carragher played it right back a lot of the time. Marcus Babel, uh, and you you had four fairly central midfield players playing. There was no real natural width, um, and certainly centre forwards and the likes of Fowler and Owen um, Heskey that that liked to play through the middle. They they weren't. It wasn't their natural game to, to, to find space on the flanks. And um, it made us really, really difficult to beat. And that team and that squad played 63 games that season. Or um, something like, I think we scored 129 goals or 126 goals in those games. Yeah. We're scoring a lot of goals and, and we're not conceding many. Um, so you do have that sort of blend as we said where you've still got the attacking flair but you're really mean and you've got a really really solid spine 
Yeah, absolutely. And Dave, the first trophy, the first trophy comes in the League Cup final. Um, it's against Birmingham. It's it's twenty fifth of Feb. Yeah, and this kind of gives us what we need. But again, <laughs> with everything in mind that I just said, it's one it's one each with Birmingham. Um, they're they're a first division or a championship or whatever the relevant term well, the relevant term now is um, a relative term sorry should I say is championship team now I think I'm right in saying aren't I yeah yep you're correct um, Alex McLeish was the manager I think um, Fowler scores an absolute worldy and that was kind of with the amount of games we were playing there was a lot of rotation from Evans particularly amongst the forwards and that was kind of where where Fowler's standing was where he would he would start the, the League Cup final, but not the FA Cup final, and he scores an absolute worldie. Um, Darren Purse scores for Birmingham, and it goes it goes to penalties, and and I think Darren Purse then misses a penalty. I'm not sure who misses for them. I like, think it, I think it is him. Um, but, I don't know why. Dave, my 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 recollection is more of that. You see, whenever Fowler scored, we had numerous chances to finish that final off. Numerous, numerous chances to fit. Like I think the word I would use is stubborn for 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 Birmingham, and you know it's it's the typical. You know we see it with our team at, at the moment. You know having a one 0 lead, a team will always feel that one chance we can we can still get back in, and we couldn't kill that game off. Um and and again it was maybe for 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 this particular group together. You know you talk about getting over the line once and winning something and creating a culture of winning. Um, and, and I think that that's where we were at that stage. You know, the Robbie Fowler goal, as you said, and, and it was pretty late on that Perth scored as well, wasn't it? I think Spencer. so, yeah. You know, and, and I remember we were, we were quite comfortable. I, we, I, I, my recollection of this game were we you know, ourselves to see that out at one nil. Yep, absolutely. And and we we looked in no, no danger, and boom, all of a sudden, and heart in the mouth stuff again. And then look, we get over the line on penalties. Um, and, and and the rest of the season is basically history after that. But I think it was just a case of you, you know, as I say, we've seen it and, and we've talked it to death um, over the last few seasons about you know getting that first trophy under a manager, getting over that line, um, starting a culture of winning, getting belief throughout the squad and so on. Um, and I, and I think this is maybe where the likes of a Gary Maxworth even doubled after this. Because you know they had the experience of winning. That you know they, they want to experience more. The hunger starts um, to experience more, and that's what we see then going forward. Um, and, and you know you rightly pointed out by this stage the league was pretty much we knew that you know we can do well in the league, we can continue to win whatever, but we're not really going to win it. So you know we, we're, we're still fighting for fourth though. We are still yeah. fighting for fourth because oh, fourth, yeah, this is the first. This is the first season the fourth yeah. will get but the Champions they, League. Even back then, there was no trophy for fourth. <laughs> no, that is true. That is true. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I'm talking sincerely on trophies, but they were in two more competitions. And obviously that that success then sparked their hunger for more. Yeah. And I think it is the, the charting game next, Chief, isn't it? Um, well, the charting game's the last one, isn't it? The last game of the season. Which was... Which was at the time, which as it always should be and should return to be forever, amen, before the FA Cup final. Yeah. And we go to Charlton needing to win um, the Secure Champions League football, and we're absolutely irresistible. 
Fowler scores two. Uh, a, a brilliant a, overhead. A absolutely brilliant overhead kick. Owen scores, and I cannot remember who gets the other one. Um, but we're just we're so dominant and in control um, that day. Oh, you might, yeah, yeah, you might, you might be right. And we're so utterly dominant and in control that day. And we coast. Uh, and then comes comes the FA Cup final. And the FA Cup final, honestly, Chief, there's no, there's absolutely no way that we should win that game of football. We get fucking pasted. Battered. We get battered like a fish. We get but when you have a world class. Oh, this is it. We, <laughs> but this is the, we only get. I mean, this is the this the whole Owen Fowler fucking thing is in full effect at this point. Dave rightly mentioned that Fowler gets picked for the League Cup final and scores a worldly, but he's left on the bench for the for the FA Cup final. Is he even on the bench? I'm sure he is. He is on the bench because he comes on, and I'll I'll talk about it later. But he plays a pivotal role in, in the equaliser. That's right, that's right. Um, but Michael Owen, you know, because I'm a Fowler fan at this point, because you had to be in one camp or the other. You, I loved Owen, but by this point, you know, I liked Owen. I liked the goals, but he was new on the scene, and I'd grown up with Robbie Fowler, and it was beginning to become what looked pretty clear to be Owen or Fowler, one or the other. Yeah, as a, a Robbie Fowler man, like I'm, I'm not gonna not gonna lie to anyone. And you're watching that game and. And Arsenal go ahead and they dominate and and they miss chance after chance. The keep uh, the keeper is it Vestervelt or is it Dudek? Is it Vestervelt or is it Dudek? No, it was Vestervelt at that time. Vestervelt, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah it's still Vestervelt at this point. So yeah, Vestervelt has a good game as well. He and, makes then, and then and then Lundberg scores. Lundberg scores with I think. Less than twenty minutes left, yeah, and then short, and then, and then shortly ago. after that, and Ancho does the handball on the line as well from Henri. That's only a few minutes later. That's to make a two 0 with about just over ten minutes and left. Gets away with it with VAR these days, he'd be off, and that would be a pen, a hundred percent. And that, and they Arsenal would win that, and you wouldn't have anything to talk about. <laughs> but then, my my God, Michael Owen, those two goals are on. Believable, and you know you see the you see at the end of that game the our player put it in context as well. Neil David Seaman was in goal for Arsenal, uh, and they're just such brilliant goals. He's got a fraction of an inch of the net to aim for on each occasion, and he just puts it there. And he's done it before. You can say Jack Robinson. It's like the Arsenal fans are celebrating. One minute, and it's almost like they don't even have time to compute that it's gone to one-one before they're crying that it's gone to two-one. And it's—I I watched that final, I, I, and I could not believe that we won that game. Stefan Onsho's interview on that game—I've heard—it's fucking monumental. He couldn't believe it. Nobody could believe it. It was a gold shirts, chief. It was the gold shirts. What's on it? <laughs> it was. It was. It was phenomenal. Um, talk about the Gerrard final, and and you know our younger fans probably know would would know more about that. The two thousand and six one with with Benitez and stuff. But there's a reason this was the Michael Owen final. Have you ever talk about a game being gone in sixty seconds? 
for Arsenal, that that's what happened. United managed to do it, but we did it to Arsenal. He was that fucking quick number one. Like I, I, I've said it so many times in this. I have yet to see a footballer faster in my life than Michael Owen. It's the fastest thing I ever saw. But with it, with it, he's lethal. He is absolutely, totally, and utterly ruthless. And what what we have to remember here about Owen is he wins. He's World Player of the Year this year. This is after the injury, actually. These goals, these goals are after the bad injury. I'm pretty sure his bad injury is ninety nine two thousand. The first real bad hamstring. Um, is this is is this where he wins World Player of the Year? I think this is. I think this is his year that when when we win the treble, he he does win it. Is this year or the year after? But he's an he's at his absolute peak. He's absolutely frightening. This is the form that 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 made Real Madrid want to sign him and this was at the time when this was at the time when Real Madrid's transfer strategy was we'll buy the best player in the world every single year it was the well, true it, Galacticos it, Dave true it, Galacticos absolutely, absolutely, in every sense of the term seasons after he's after he's destroyed that Argentina defense yeah the, you and know, he's the, he's lethal he gets two chances in that game and the, se- the second one's not even a chance the second one's a ball from Berger maybe a forty-yard pass in behind, in behind Lee Dixon, and he absolutely does him for pace, and finishes with his left foot somehow. Any, any Liverpool fan who any who's too young or whatever has hasn't seen those goals, get on YouTube. Yeah, watch. and if you can watch the game in full, even better, just watch it. Yeah, and and watch it for what watch it for for as much to. To, to see how good that Arsenal team was. They were, this, Arsenal, this is the Invincibles. Arsenal team is the team that goes invincible in, yep. the, in the next season or the it, season after that. This it's, is the, the, it's the next season. I'm, I, I think it's the next season. Certainly, two, it's, it is the next season the season after. But this team is unbelievable. Bergkamp, Henri, Perez, Lunenberg. It still has that... Gilberto Silva. Back four there. It still has that back four and the goalkeeper... You know they are uh, Patrick Vieira and uh, is Petit I think playing at this point. Petit is I think playing at this point. Probably so, their worst player is Viltord and he's a fucking France international with seventy odd caps. Aye, and he's absolutely lightning as well. So he's only won the fucking um, World Cup and the European Championships. They're absolutely phenomenal, and somehow, somehow we come away with that trophy. But that's that's what I'm talking about, Dave. About this is what the League Cup did for us. We didn't lie down. You know what I mean? Had we not won that 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 League Cup, would we have have persisted? It's this culture of winning, and you know it can be it can be pushed forward into into this team that we have today, and the difference that we've seen since they've had success. And the hunger. But what's interesting though is that at this point, at this point, you would say that that typifies Jared Houllier. At this point, as Liverpool manager, not you know, not necessarily outplaying teams, certainly not, perhaps. In fact, perhaps being outplayed, but being able to hang in there, having the street sports, having the noise, and being ruthless enough to take your chances when you get them, and relying on a match winner, and relying on a match winner. But what's interesting is what you've said. They're not lying down and, and all that. That that dissipates within a season and come. Come two seasons down the line, if we if we don't score first, we're we're losing the game. 
we're not winning it anyway. So it was interesting how that develops. But at this time that season, it's all it's all especially in the cups. It's all about hanging in there, and, and certainly in that final, also in the in the Alaves final, but in the Barcelona. Well, it's just final. fucking mental. It, that's that's one of the most mental games of football I ever saw. But it is that dogged de- determination of we are not beaten here, we'll not be beaten, and and that kind of disappears over the next couple of seasons, which is which is interesting. Yeah. So look, Dave, we'll we'll screw it forward a, a week or two and. Kind of against everything, probably Gerard Houllier come, comes to stand for from Liverpool. We have the most fucking mental and ridiculous European final that you're probably likely to see. And we're going to Alaves, and they're not particularly fancied, and, and they're very much the underdog. I've fucking and, heard of them, to be honest with you, Dave. If I'm really yes, you know, um, <laughs> Well, well, that's it, you know. You, you didn't you know, know where they were. Depending on the context, we are European royalty. Even back then, we are European royalty. Um, and, and and this is a team that I'd barely heard of. Yeah, and and we show up in in, in Dortmund, doesn't it? Yeah. And and I think, I think it's, worth men- it's it's worth mentioning as well. Like you know, we beat we beat Barcelona. Some of the teams that we've beaten. To get to that final, before we get to that final, the run to it was bloody damn impressive as well. Yeah, we beat Barcelona, and we beat Barcelona in a very Julier way. Um, I think that we beat them. We beat them one nil over two legs with a with a McAllister penalty. Um, and it's McAllister very, again. It's it's very very Julier, and then we go into this final, and. We're not really quite sure what we're seeing because we take we take an early lead and Dave all fucking chaos kind of ensues after that. Yeah, it's just one of the just one of the fucking most mental games. You know, look, I, I, I've seen you've seen games ebb and flow as a neutral, and you know you enjoy them and, and whatever. But as a fan, this one was like just fucking mental. Absolutely mental. Stevie G scores a, 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 you know, I think this this is this is where the game where Stevie G announces himself, really, really announces himself. I think um, not just as a midfielder, but as a goal scoring midfielder as well. Um, and and you know, if I, if I think back, like I, I saw Stephen Jarrett's debut, I was lucky enough to be there. But this is the game where where I think that. It's just it's just metal. Uh, Babel scores and Gerard scores. I don't know about you guys. We're miles ahead of this team, and in, in 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 every department, we're miles ahead of them. But we can't put them to bed. We can't put them to sleep. We can't, they won't lie down. Um, it's a bit like the Birmingham game in stubbornness, but in a different way. That they just keep coming at us and scoring again. Chief talks about there. You know, go back and watch the 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 Michael Owen final and whatever. If if you if you're if you're young and you don't know what we're talking about here, you've got to go and watch this. It's really hard to put into words. You've got to experience it. Absolutely mental. Um, and to watch it as a fan, and I I never watched the game once. I never watched it live. I never I've never rewatched it. And, and it's a thing I actually must do. It's a, it's a very 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 entertaining game of football, which basically ends up being one with a kind of very controversial own goal. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just it's 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 an amazing game of football, Chief. And you know, we, as I said, we score early through Babel, 
Um, he, I think he flicks on a, a McAllister free kick. Um, Gerard then bursts through and scores. Um, and they get one back from a, an early substitute, Ivan Alonso. And then McAllister scores the penalty in this 3-1 at halftime. And you're kind of thinking, it, it's, it's fine, we're done. Um, we'll just we'll see this out. It's 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 this Liverpool side. You know, we 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 take the lead. We're two goals up. This team's not massively fancied. We should see this out now. And then after six minutes of the first of the second half gone, it's three three, and no one really knows what's going on. Seems like classic foot off the gas after half time. We're three one up, looking good. Sort of take the eye off the ball, but I mean it, it's it is you it. To put it in the context, it's Liverpool's first European final since Heysel. And it's probably Alaba's Alaba's only ever European final, I, I would I would guess. I don't know, but I'd be willing to stake a large sum on that. Yeah. So but they know. didn't let themselves down, Neil. They turned up. And, well, and, the, and you know, they, even they, at three one down, they said, fuck it, we'll throw the kitchen sink. Well, that's what I mean. Because their manager said to them, Listen, lads. This is probably your only chance, and maybe this club's only chance. So you know, three-one down half time, you're in this. You've got to go back. You know, go for it, and they get a couple of quick fire goals. But then Liverpool put a lid on it, and you know, you get 20 minutes, 25 minutes. In fact, pretty much get a half then of relative calm, where Liverpool take control pretty much of, of the game again and score with 20 20 minutes to go. And, and Fowler scores. And you think uh, that's going to be it? And you think that's going to be the winner that he deserves? Yeah. It's because it's it's such a wonderful goal. It it's really a is. wonderful, wonderful goal. And you're watching that thinking, this is the this is the fighter that I know. How can Fowler, how can Fowler ever leave? You know, and and he wants his last real big moment for the club, like isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's a it's a drilled finish after beating two players with his right foot from practically the edge of the box, right in the bottom corner. It's unreal. And um, it, it it actually deserves to be the winner. And I wish if we could go back in time, I would just take out that that fucking fucking Yordy fucking Cruyff eighty ninth minute equalizer which pushes us into extra time and then that OG winner. Wasn't I was that, probably am I correct in saying Neil that that was a golden goal? Yes it fucking was. Well it was one of the first ones if not it wasn't one it was of the first, the first ones. Was it the first was it the first one in, in a no, European because I think it had been was, used in World Cups, but I don't think it was no, the first time it had been, been used it golden goal came in mid nineties. No it was I think the first time it was used was was the the two thousand euros when no. Trezeguet scored? Am I wrong? You are, because Oliver Bierhoff scores a golden goal in Euro '96 final. Oh, is that a golden goal? Is it? Certainly. Maybe it. I'm thinking it's of. Has it been going that long? Uh, maybe I'm thinking how, of. How, do, how long do you remember, did golden do you goals last? I don't how know. Many year, how many seasons? Golden goals came in in I think Euro '96 was the first tournament, and they were in for years. They were in till about sure at one point. Then they changed the silver goal. You remember? See, this that? is this is this is maybe what I'm thinking of. Maybe it's the silver goal I was thinking of come in then. Silver goal was you. If you, you scored in the first the half. That first half of I uh, first it was the first half of in, of extra time and then you finished the half I think yeah but this this was goal and goal which was essentially goal the winner 
And you can imagine at 4-4 in 117 minutes, your man Gelly, who managed to score that own goal, is probably not a popular guy in that neck of Spain. No, and there's, there's a lot of talk amongst the players afterwards that half of them didn't realise that it was over. Half of them were, were trotting back to their positions over the halfway line to, to take the centre again. And, and it was only after maybe 30 seconds or so they realised that we've won. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of them say that, but there was loads of confusion. That's why there aren't such massive celebrations and stuff. It's um, it's one of those things, but it's such a crazy game. It's almost almost fitting that it, it did end like that. But somehow it takes it took a bit of the shine off it. A little bit. It took a little bit of the first. It took a bit of shine off it that it was Alaves. Yeah, that's exactly. I I think had it been a greater stature of opposition, we'd have celebrated a whole lot more than 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 Alaves, if you know what I mean. And that I don't mean any disrespect to them at all, but just at that time and stature wise, it to me it didn't feel like we were really playing a big Euro. You know, we'd we'd had Barcelona in the semi final. Good grief, you know, you're, you're you're talking about the biggest game you can have and then to, to meet Alaves didn't seem it seemed like really a step down well it's almost it's almost like our Champions League when last season we had our big <laughs> one really in semi Alaves are a bigger club than Tottenham now they settle down but also you wouldn't have got that crazy scoreline if it had been against a, a Barcelona or a Roma or an AC Milan or whatever it would have been a bit more of a respectable game, probably as well. Like, yeah. And what, what, one thing that, as, as, as much as the trophies go, there's one thing that goes forgotten throughout this period that, you know, in January, Julier brings in what we all feel is an, is an absolute masterstroke. And he signs, um, he signs Yari Lippmann. In. And what a, what a footballer Yari Lippmann was. And probably, coming certainly towards the twilight of his career, but that was something that was, for me, certainly really, really exciting at the time. Do you feel he... he, he I always... He hardly played. Story. Yeah, he didn't He didn't play a lot. He came from that Ajax team that kind of captured everybody's imagination, and it was what you thought was... what you thought was within that team, because... Let's be honest. It did lack. It did lack creative spark. It lacked. It lacked. It was typical Julio though. He, he sort of, sorry to butt him. He sort of signed him, but he signed. He, he, he did this quite a bit. He'd sign a creative midfielder, and then he'd be too scared to play him. Because yeah, he didn't fit because he was kind of like a number ten sort of. And Julio played with four very flat midfielders and as far as midfielders go they were midfielders and nothing more nothing played less with a very very rigid formation of played like four centre mids yeah well it was certainly it was certainly on any given day you'd have had uh, Gerard Gerard and Murphy and Murphy and a, a another yeah. be that the likes of you know maybe Smitzer or Berger or Biscan or you know, any and one of them, but it certainly sport. wouldn't be a winger. He, no, and he hated wingers. I mean, he was suspect. He hated them. He felt he felt that they left him light in midfield, and that's what we ended up. I mean, as we progressed, you know, two thousand and one is really the pinnacle of 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 Julio's career. And he, you know, you mentioned Lippmann. Uh, he 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 signed him. He, he, he 
you know, he flirts with, with, with being a little bit more adventurous, but in the end, he errs on the side of, of caution. And, and over the next season, we, you know, we, we sort of see he, uh, him move to more and more towards, um, solidity and more and pragmatism towards pragmatism. Exactly. And, and, and further, further away from, uh, from any kind of, any kind of flair. And it's, you know, I, I mean, I know we have a good tilt, at, sort of a good tilt at, at the league the following season and, and end up second. But, um, you know, the treble season is, is clearly the pinnacle of, of Gerard Houllier's Liverpool career. And, you know, the illness follows and, and, and what comes after is just kind of a downward trajectory. This is really the we're on the we're on the snowy summit at this point. Yeah, we're absolutely at the peak, Dave. And you know, the next season it, it's 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 two thousand and one, two thousand and two, and after what preceded that, we're looking at the squad and we're looking at what we've achieved and we're looking at this exciting young English players coming through and um And this could be our year. This yep. this could be <laughs> our can. year. You well, know there was something else in there, Dave, as well. This was us back in the European Cup. Proper. That's right. Yeah, we're, so, yeah, so, so, we're, we're back in the and, Champions and, League, and yeah, you have but to that, say that's huge, Dave. You know that that is absolute. I mean, that's fu- I remember, and I think we're, we're drawn against Rangers or something in that group. Well, I'll go through well, it now. Um, but what we do just before we get into that is again, he's, <laughs> as Gerard like to do, he's blasting the transfer market. He brings in he brings in Risa and Barros, um, and he decides that. Because Vesterveld is so bad, he spends eleven million pounds on not one but two goalkeepers in, in Dudek and Kirkland. Um and he he ships out, you know, Fowler goes Duf comes in as well, doesn't he? Fowler goes in November. No, that's the the following year. Fowler goes, Ziga goes, Vesterveld obviously goes. Um and what we see here is a team that we feel with those additions and what they achieved the year before, this is our time now. And you're right, Chief, this is our year. And it's hard. United have won the league three years in a row and that, and, and that was kicked off by, by that treble season. And, and all of a sudden, as we saw the year before, Arsenal are, are starting to come to the fore and become a really formidable force. Um, but Dave, this this one, it was it was as as good as Hulia would get in 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 Premier League standards. But we're we're not really ever in it, are we? No, uh, I mean I don't think so. I mean at this stage, you've you've had Arsenal win the league ninety eight ninety nine, and then Man United have have won their treble, uh, or or maybe ninety. Maybe the other way around, but Arsenal have already won a league title, have won a double at this stage, and and they're there and thereabouts. They're coming second, they're coming first. It's only one more season before they go invincible. Um, so they're a real, they're a real player at this point. United have been there since 1993, and they're not going anywhere. Um, and I mean, don't, this this is our year. We 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 should be kicking on, and you know. We do improve. There's no doubt we do improve in the, in the league. Uh, we improve in points. We we improve in results. Um, 
and it's it's a difficult year for other reasons because of course Jared Houllier has his um has his his heart problems and um you know is away for a sizable chunk i mean october to march it's it's most of the season um but you know liverpool only lose six games in that season altogether i mean it's definitely their best tilt i mean in those days if you remember you said you could afford to lose four games and win the title now we only got i think i think we had amassed 80 points or something that season (laughs) yeah and and, and we also and that would have been enough and, and, would have been enough. And gone by. I remember reading an article earlier from uh, a book that I that I, a Kindle book that I got about this this time period, and it would have been enough to win the Premier League in something like six of the seasons up until that point. Um, but of course, typically for us, it, it wasn't enough to win it that season. Um, well, I think I think I think as well with Julie, even though he'd had the heart attack and even though he was recovering. From from my recollections of it, anyhow, he was very much instrumental in the background um, and was advising Thompson. This is, well, yeah. Albeit he, he wasn't there, his influence was still very strong on Thompson. Was, there's a lot. I mean, I watched a lot of stuff detailing uh, uh, mentioning um, Phil Thompson getting instruction via mobile phone and going to visit Jared Hooley in hospital and being told the team to put out and, and whatever. So he was certainly very much... Uh, and uh, very much part of it, and he rushed himself back. I'm sure as well. At the time, I'm sure he came against doctors' orders. He was he was advised never to never to attend a match again, wasn't he? Um, and that didn't happen. So I mean, his passion for the club was 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 very much there. But this is the season where things just begin to start to ebb away a little bit behind the scenes. On the pitch, things are okay. We do well. Um, we have a good tilt at the league. We only lose the six games, but off the pitch, little things are happening. We sell Robbie Fowler, for example, and that is the, that's the first big, uh, what's the word, division point, shall we say, or point of difference for Liverpool fans because we said the Owen the Owen Fowler thing have been rumbling on, and, and people had sort of known that the writing had been on the wall, and but in the end, it was a bust up with Thompson, not with Julier. That was the end for Fowler, and um, we sold him the lead. And yeah, he probably was past his best and stuff, but none of that mattered at the time. None of that mattered. You know, nobody could ever have envisaged Robbie Fowler leaving Liverpool, and certainly not to fucking play for Leeds United against us. Um, and I think that was the first, the first sort of point of contention where people could start to veer away from the decisions being made. By Julier, because up until that point, or Julier and Thompson, because up until that point, things had been getting progressively better and there wasn't really anything to, to argue too much about. Um, but things just begin to sort of chip away. Uh, we're in the Champions League. We do we do okay. Then Julier comes back for the Leverkusen tie and and ultimately we, we kind of throw that away from a position of, of strength, of being in control. Um and as you say, we finished second that season, but it never feels like we're, we're properly in with a chance of winning it, despite the points tally that we amassed. I think United beat us. Don't they beat us by nine points or something in the end? It's, it's Arsenal win the league that year. Was it Arsenal? Um, yeah. And like but is say, it nine points? No, I've just looked. We, we, we got 80 points. 87. 87. So seven points. Seven points. So they're, they're, they're strongly clear. And we have a... 
you know, we have a good run at the end of the season as well. So, I mean, we win. Oh, fuck. We only lose one game in about our last 13. So, Arsenal must be well clear to still win by seven. Um, so, it, you're right. We never we never look like we're actually going to win that league. We're, we're clear in second, but we never look like we're going to win that league. And we don't do particularly well in the Cups. We have a, a respectable foray in Europe, but then it's disappointed how we go out because it looks like we should go through. And actually, Leverkusen, who put us out, end up in the final that year. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and, and I think from then on, it just begins to go begins to go sour um, certainly from from the end of the season onwards it's just a downward slide um, so while we have a good bash at it certainly in the running it's a bit of a meh season really isn't it yeah it's 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 not really there in the league the, the Champions League and you know, it's another one of those next year could be our year with 80 yeah. points next year could be and, and you know it's where this all starts and stems from it is, and in con- just to put that in context as well, the Champions League for it's, it's a two-group stage kind of format at that point, and um, it, it's Boa Vista, Dortmund, and and Kiev, and we come through that, and like the next Champions League group that we we go into is it's uh, Barcelona, Roma, and Galatasaray, you know, and and we come through that. And we play. Is this the quarterfinal or the semi-final? Quarters. Is the quarterfinal, and we play Leverkusen, and you know we're one 0 up from the first leg at home, and you're looking at this side, and you're looking one 0 no way goals, and you're thinking happy days, and um, we we're, we're we're in it, we're absolutely in it, and then. Weirdly, Julie makes this bizarre substitution that it seems that that he brings off Haman and he brings on Smitzer and and that ruins it. Within 15 minutes, in the last 15 minutes, we're 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 in and we're in and we're in and then we're out and then we're back in and then we're we're out and then and we're out. This is a couple of sitters as well. Oh, at least two. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when we are in the lead to really put the tie beyond doubt. And and Dave, this is kind of for me. This is kind of you know, a turning moment, we go out there, the, the season fizzles out, although second place is great, we're in the Champions League next year, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we've loaned an Elka, and, and then it's, it's, it's after the World Cup, 2002, and we sign Elhad Stuf, and we sign Salif Jai, and we're, we're thinking that this is exciting and, and these are the guys that are going to take us, take us on. Um, we bring in Bruno Shevru, the next Zidane. Um, and Just for 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and it's ultimately the best has been and gone and we just don't know it yet. That's it, yeah. No, I, I think the players that he brought in, especially Juf uh, and Jao, they just look lost. They never, it's, they never look like Liverpool players. They never look like they belong in that team. Um, you, you know, as I say, Sheru never fits. Um, 
you know, you're talking about there's things that he got right, more more that he got right than he got wrong. This was a stage where I think that you, you flip that to everything's more wrong than it is right. And, you know, we come off the back of the season where Phil Thompson comes off that season with a, with an immense amount of credit uh, for how he's handled the, the run of the club during um, Julia's absence. It fills us with optimism that Julia is going to come back and the two of them together again. And, you know, not only we have a good number one, we have a good number two, and we've got, we've got a good crack at this. We've, you know, we've done what we've done. But it just never... The season, to me, is just disjointed. It never really comes together and, and, and with any kind of purpose or, or anything like that. The, the, there's the, even the tactics, everything just seems to everything just seems to to, to change. Uh, even the spirit around uh, around the team seems to change, and it, it's more or less just the beginning of the end uh, of of this era. You know, you realise that maybe you know, you've peaked. You you know that 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 treble. Then you know we we know it was that, but you know you were starting to get the feeling that oh unless we unless something changes drastically here it could be the beginning of a, a slippery slope and we could be in and looking down the barrel of another managerial change very soon if he doesn't get it together and you know like to be honest with you El Hadjouf's behaviour and his conduct at the club left an, an awful lot to be desired an awful awful lot to be desired. Um, he was a player that I just I, I never think of very much uh, for obvious reasons. Um, I never liked him. I, I didn't like him when he was in the World Cup. I, di- I didn't see what we were buying him for. Uh, we spent an awful lot of money, as I recall. I don't recall the fee, but I remember at the time what we paid for him off the back of that World 10 Cup. Ten million pounds. Nine was million. a lot, a lot of money at the time. Um, for for a guy who had only four or five games in a World Cup to to go off. And whilst yes, he looked great um, during that tournament, the the player that we got at Liverpool was was a pale shadow of what we saw in the World Cup, and and I, and I'm just wondering maybe did that cause? No, no, I'm not talking about him spe- specifically, but you know that particular change um, of personnel and, and and the reshuffle in the pack of that season, just just you know we we've gone, we've been second, and. It just doesn't seem that anything's clicking right. You know, Julio's been away, he's come back, but it doesn't seem the same anymore. It seems like something's changed. It seems like, you know, we're, we're in a, a new reality. Uh, and we feel that we're, you know, we're, we're some way short still, uh, maybe even shorter than we were the season before, albeit we're still in Europe and so on. But but my recollections of it was, you know, you didn't have much hope of, of but for the, the, the big trophies that, that, that matter to Liverpool you didn't feel that you're real contenders again it, yeah and we, we win the League Cup that year um, we, we beat United 2-0 at Owen and it's Gerrard and, and they really are the green shoots and the bright lights of this team it, it saves him his job it actually yeah if he, I don't think if we if we lose that final I don't think he stays you could be right we, we lose out to Champions League football in the last day of the season away to Chelsea we take the lead and we throw it away and and we finished 19 points off the lead. And and that also brings in the Abramovich era as well, yeah, Dave, which fucks us over completely. There's a whole lot to be said about that season. It's a massive, massive disappointment. It is, it, it's not one to gloss over because... I th- Neil, I think we didn't realise that loss against Chelsea and them getting the Champions League and us not. 
we hadn't thought about Abramovich had never even heard. We knew, we knew, but we didn't know what the consequences would be because we and it changed everything. That it was a bit of a one of them. Abramovich might have bought Liverpool. Yep. It was a bit of a one of who, whichever one of these teams gets in the Champions League, he's gonna buy. And he he, he bought Chelsea in the end because they beat us. The yes for fucking grunk yard. Cunt. Uh, yeah, and, and rubbish as well. Like, didn't have a finish. It was a game we should have won, in my in my so, recollection. So many games on a day we should have won. Listen, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm basically I'm gonna name a colours here to the mask because I've been very diplomatic the whole way through. And of course, Jared Hoodie gave us a great time with with the treble, and you know he got us back to winning a European competition, and you know he had that one fabulous season, and and things were good. But I think he was he was a very lucky manager. Uh, he. If he, if he hadn't had a, a Michael Owen, he'd take Michael Owen out of, 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 of Houdier's teams and he finishes nowhere. Um, I didn't like the style of football that we ended up with. I didn't like the machinations. I didn't like the move away from what was essentially a very, very local-based team under Evans to... A but there, was a big cha- there was a big change in the football yeah. this season, I think, Neil. Yeah. That's, that's the difference. Completely foreign-based situation under um, Julia. That's not to say that I was in any way against bringing in foreign players, but it was really the standard of foreign, of foreign player, of player in general. Um, he, he, we touched on that first season, how he got a, a lot of signings right, but you know, from, from, from the start, from the beginning, there were errors, but certainly from, from here on in, it's pretty much a 0% strike rate. Um, it's an absolute catastrophe for us and for him that he let Anelka go that season when his loan expired and that he thought he was being clever by signing um, an untested... Um, in, but in hindsight, Neil, do you really think... Because well, was, I, I know we talked about this pre-pod. I remember thinking at the time... Yeah, but in hindsight, it wasn't a bad thing because Anelka was a fucking car crash. No, like, let's be honest. He was a very talented car crash. I, but I disagree. I'd have to say could it ha- I think could it have been worse? I think what we got. I think at this point, not to get too hung up on, on what might have been with Anelka because it never happened, so there's no point. But at that time, Anelka needed to get his career back on track. He'd been to Real Madrid, it hadn't worked out. He'd been to PSG, it hadn't worked out. His only real success had come in England. And he was back cap in hand, really. It was a lone move. He needed a contract. No, they, they, they thought that, that Julier would be the father figure to him that he needed to, 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 to give him some maturity. And, I, think, I think Julier's hubris took over after the incident, the health incident. And I think he was never really the same manager. He was always looking to find the next big thing rather than rather than realize sort of what's in front of him. And I think that those those ideas and that idea is, are bo- is borne out by by the types of signings that he makes, the likes of Sheru, who's never in a million years gonna be good enough. The cinema Pongols and Adley But, but the, the, this is what Dave this is what Dave's to- I was talking about pre pod about he was trying to, to, to emulate what Wenger was doing. Maybe, you know, what he did with Thierry Henry and brought maybe, the French players in and, and so maybe, on. And, maybe, or he was trying to emulate his own past success with, with what he'd done at Clairefontaine, or maybe he believed his own hype a little bit too much, or who knows. But it, it all it all went disastrously wrong. And 
I think Anelka at that time was absolutely would have been the right move for us in that situation. I think El I disagree. proved to be completely the wrong move. Whether Anelka was right or not, El Hajduf was, was nine million completely wasted. And we couldn't afford that. We couldn't afford that. No, we were putting our hope. He, he, he was vile. Scoring 20 goals a season. He went a whole Premier League season without a goal. A whole for a cent for a forward, we ended up having to use him on the wing. Whenever he first signed, and I think in his first press conference, he said something like, "Yeah, I don't expect me to score loads of goals. <laughs> I don't, I don't score loads of goals. Um, you know, I like setting them up just as much as I like scoring." It's like, "Fucking Julio's just spent ten million on you as our centre forward. Don't tell us that, like." You know, yeah, and, and, and today's terms, 10 million, you're probably talking about 80 million yeah, in today's world. It was, put it like this, Heskey was our record signing at 11 million at the time. So 10 million was, was, was very close. And Nelka would have cost us 11, and he had a proven Premier League record. And at that time, that was when he then signed for Chelsea after that, I think. And he was at Chelsea for a good long time. And then he went to City. And he, and he got his... He got his career back on track and had a very good career in England, scored a good amount of goals. I think he went maybe went to City first and then Chelsea. Can't quite remember. But but he was he a was very a, let, let, let's put it in a, he was a divisive character though, Neil. He, he was, was and imagine him and Duf in the, oh, no, no, in the none, same dressing room. No. There's none more divisive, I don't think, than than I'll have Juf, to be fair. Um, so we we were certainly. I don't think he divide. I don't think Juve divides opinion in any way, shape, or form. To be honest, make <laughs> concrete. Uh, yeah, it's, well, <laughs> just turns everyone in his dressing room against him. I mean, I think him and Jimmy Carragher still have an ongoing fucking spat. Is probably not the right word. If I excuse the pun, like. Um, but yeah, it just goes wrong from there. It just goes wrong. The style of football has deteriorated. There's no flair. There's no cheek. There's no swagger. It's very much big man, little man. It's very much playing on the break. It's very much looking for Owen over the top. There's no real creativity. We're weak at the back. We've got a weak spine. We can't come back when we go behind. And it's really, you know, who he brings in that season. It's Sheru, it's Jao, it's Juf, it's Alu Diara. Do you ever remember him even playing for us? I mean, it's players. Patrice Luzi, who never played for us either. It's a, it's, it's, it's a rogues gallery, really, of nobodies. Um, and it, and it also takes us years to get shot of a lot of them. Absolutely, and and to be honest, if it hadn't been United in that cup final, it would almost have been better, kind of, not winning it and getting rid of Gerard that one year earlier because. The following season it just went from bad to worse, really, didn't it? Um, it's sad because it had been so promising, but you know the peak was very much 2001, and then we had a, a good, you know, a, a decent run in 2002. But but that was it. Um, the what came afterwards really soured me on on the Julia years, and I almost forgot by the end of them what came before. For the first time ever, really consciously as a grown up Liverpool fan. I wanted the manager to be sacked. I wanted Julia gone. I was over the moon when we got rid. Neil, as well, this is where I think the the the, the phrase of you know targeting a fourth place finisher, a top four finish rather than and 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 you know for for me being older and you know having seen the the seventies and eighties, well, like, yeah, you're, tar- 
you're targeting a fourth place finish. You well, know, it was alien language. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And what's interesting there is, is Julio actually took us backwards in a lot of ways. He took us forwards initially, but in the end, we weren't the second or the third place team anymore. We were struggling to be the fourth or the fifth. Did, did, didn't he buy Harry Kuehl as well, if I'm not mistaken? He did, yeah. For big money. He did. And, he did. and at the time, it looked like a good move. Yeah, but he fucking but, signed Harry Kuehl, who was an archetypal flying left winger. And this goes back to what me and Dave were talking about earlier. He then refused to play him on the wing. He wouldn't play him as a left winger. He played him once on the right. He played him as a number 10. He played him in a roaming role. He never played him on the left as a winger. Because he was too fucking scared that he would lose his solidity in midfield. So he would play as midfielders and then use Kuhl as a 10, which is insane. Uh, what you think of Harry Kuhl, you think of him as a left winger. And, and yeah. I remember, you know. Well, you think of the, the, think of the player that was at Leeds. It certainly wasn't a player that we got ever um, at Liverpool. No, I mean, I think injuries also, you know, took their toll on him. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's fair. And, and he'd had a few before he came to us as well. Julio's playing style was was not suitable for someone like you. It's like Mourinho having Joe Cole and then you know completely changing him. Well, you, you know, know, I think we're going. Everything you're good at, no, don't do that. You know, we we can look at the 2005 final and and it's sort of it's a microcosm of of Harry Kuehl's time at Liverpool. The, just the the events around that whole sort of two hours basically encapsulates everything that Harry Keel was at Liverpool. I mean, we won stuff at that point. Really. We're after we're, we're after Damien Duff, but he goes to, uh, doesn't he go to Blackburn? And Blackburn was like 11, he went to Blackburn for something like 11 million or, or 10 million or something like that. And in the end, we, we, we end up going for Keel and we get him for 5 million because Leeds are on a fire sale. Um, and it yeah, never, that, 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 That's the start of Leeds near bankruptcy. Um, oh, they get rid of everyone that season. They get rid of Kuehl. They get rid of um, get rid of Smith. The United. They get rid of they get rid of a, a, all the Boyer goes. Ferdinand's already gone. Yeah. So all Batty of goes to New, Where does Bat, Batty goes to Newcastle or Batty goes to? Because he was he was in yeah, part of that Batty squad goes, as well. Does Batty go to Batty goes to Newcastle and then all these other ridiculous players that said like Seth Johnson and boys like us who you've never heard of before. But you know, it's 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 cool again was just another false dawn in that era and um I think just just to round things up, what what we did get um unbeknownly at the time from that era were was a glimpse of what was to come when Benitez's Valencia side came to Anfield and absolutely battered us. Um, after beating us in the Mestalla um, to knock us out of Europe. And we got players like like Cinema Pongol and, and Anthony Latalic and, and Harry Kuehl that and Igor They hung around for years, Dave. Yeah, they hung but, around. We couldn't get shot of them. Nobody yeah, would fucking and, buy them. And Well, that's right. And Jimmy Terori and boys like this who would inevitably become this bizarre part of of Liverpool folklore, and you know, if we're not all off the face of the planet by, I don't know, next week, or whatever, we'll maybe talk about potentially the legacy of going into a, a, a cup final and, and doing what needs to be done 
Julien left on this side that maybe transferred to the 2005. I think you know, like you know, Neil, as I say, he he, he nailed his colours to the mass. And while I don't disagree with him in any way, what I would say in closing is that Jared Julien was was an immensely nice man, a total gentleman, and I don't think he had any any form of malice towards the club. I think he, I think the, the club is big in his heart and remains so today. And, you know, he does have a good good legacy with us, Dave. There's no two ways about it. And, you know, we, we've talked through, didn't work out for him. And, and, you know, for whatever reasons, after his illness, it didn't work out. But I don't think that detracts anything from the affection that he holds for the club and the affection that the fan base holds for him. And I think that needs to be said. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. Chief, have you any closing comments on... No, I would agree with that. I would echo that. And I would also say that he, he did a lot for the club to move it into the 21st century. He did a lot for the training grounds, uh, for the regimes there, for, for the for the academy, for everything. You know, he set a lot of that up. The academy that we have now, a lot of it was kind of grounded under under Julier. So you know, yeah, he, certainly Julier cultured it, and and Benitez made made good of it. Exactly, and but but it was established really under under Julier, and you know, I think he did his absolute utmost for the club, and I think it was it was sad how it ended and and how it deteriorated after the after the illness. And I think you probably could point to that as as a bit of a watershed. Um, it does seem to kind of to, to kind of split the, the the his tenure kind of into two into two parts. And generally, prior to it is is, is better than than after. Um, so yeah, I mean, all in all, a fantastic guy, a very good manager at the time. Ultimately, fell short. Um, and I think he, he he really died by his transfers because in the end they let him down massively. Yeah. So George Hudier brought Liverpool into the. 21st century established us as a force in Europe again and left some really fucking dodgy playing staff on the books. <laughs> so until potentially we discuss Rafa Benitez, Chief, thanks for your company. Anytime. Enjoyed it. Dave, a pleasure as always. One step closer to Roger's roast. <laughs> <laughs> Always a pleasure. (laughs) All right. Until then, up the quarantine reds.